want to start this morning kind of with, with a confession, okay? And, um, and this confession is that, um, that deep in my heart, <clears throat> I've, always, I've always been a Texan. And, um, okay, I, uh, some of you know I grew up on the East Coast, and uh, Yvette and I got here as quick as we could, but, but somebody got, oh, you, you know, you Yankees, you know, somebody defined Yankee for me one time as anybody who's north of the Red River, right? <laughs> so, but I, but I can prove it, and so today I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prove to you that I've always been a, I've always been a Texan at, uh, at heart. And, and um, that pretty much seals it right there. This is a, a message on humility today, showing this picture. But uh, actually, it wasn't just about being a, a cowboy, but as much as just being around horses. Um, when I grew up, uh, my parents always <laughs> started riding early, as you can see. And, uh, and my, um, my, my grandfather and my mom were always into uh, horses. As a matter of fact, over on the, in, in, I grew up in Delaware and just south of Delaware. Yeah, that's me riding a horse, uh, right? Do you see the date on that back there? Man, I'm telling you, we could have edited that part out, Stephanie, um, for real. But uh, my mom was a horse lover, and um, there's a place called Chincoteague, Virginia. Anybody ever heard of Chincoteague, Virginia? One, two, three people, four people, Okay. At, um, and there's Chincoteague, and then there's Assateague. And on Assateague Island, there are wild horses that live on the island. And then every year, they would, um, they would swim horses across from the island to the mainland to Chincoteague. And they have this thing called Pony Penning Day where they pen these wild horses up. And, um, and then they, these horses, when they get them, they auction them off. And so my mom actually went and bought a horse from Chincoteague, and this is the pony of the horse, the colt of the horse uh, from Chincoteague. Her horse's name was uh, Ginger, and uh, so then there was, so I was always around horses, and, um, and then there's, there's another picture of horses there, is that right? And then there's a, a little colt there, there I am, I've mastered horses, okay? Uh, the, the little, the brown horse right across there that I'm, I'm not riding on was a pony that um, my grandfather got for me, that's my grandfather and my mom, that my uh, grandfather got for me, and uh, this pony's name was Sammy. And, uh, and honestly, I've got to be really, really honest here. My experiences with horses have not really been that great, <laughs> okay? I, um, I have been bitten by a horse. I have been uh, kicked by a horse. Um, I've been knocked down by a horse. This little pony here, when he was a pony, would, uh, if I started playing with him, would turn around and walk away, and he would put his, uh, try to put his, um, his hooves, I think I start feet, Paul, what are those things? Hooves, a horse expert you can see here, that uh, he would put his hooves on my shoulder, he would knock me down. I've been uh, thrown off of a horse, horses rare up, I've been thrown off of a horse, and I've been knocked off of a horse um, one time. Not this uh, horse, but the other one, the spotted one there, the, the, the brown and white one. We were coming back from a ride, and the horse, uh, that horse saw the barn and headed. Uh, you can see I'm in control here. We're through, going through the weeds. and This horse took off going through the, through the barn and would not stop. And the barn door was really low and literally knocked me off of the, uh, with the door. Uh, my, my mom and grandfather explained to me later, if a horse ever gets out of control, you're supposed to jump off. That would have been nice to know beforehand. <laughs> so, 
You know, now that I think about it, now that I'm talking about it, I don't even like horses. <laughs> Matter of fact, I feel like I need a freedom issue about, 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 about horse pain that's going on. So that, that's why later in life I uh, gave up horses and got into something safer like racing motorcycles and... <laughs> And then became, later became addicted to basketball, which, of course, is uh, every white man's uh, course for success in life, you know, be a basketball player. So, uh, but, um, <laughs> but honestly, I really do. I have a great admiration for horses. And um, the thing that I'm amazed about is I'm amazed about how, just how strong they are, how uh, I think they're beautiful sometimes um, on, uh, on, on mornings, like if Jack uh, spends the night with us, and today's Jackson Fisher's third birthday. It's a national holiday. That's why it's uh, that's why it's um, it's National Ice Cream Day. We are going to celebrate mightily. I, so, uh, <laughs> but um, we'll go out and ride around. You know, we'll get some a donut or something. We'll go ride around. We'll look at the cows and the horses. How many people just think horses are beautiful animals? Aren't they just amazing? You look at them, you see how strong they are and how mighty they are and powerful and and yet they can be trained to do amazing things. The, um, the horse, the brown and white horse there, my mom's horse, Ginger, I, I can remember when I was a child that that horse would literally um, come into the porch area of my grandparents' house, my grandmother's house, and, uh, and could take the doorknob uh, and turn the doorknob and would push and would enter in, would, would walk in. Sometimes you could be sitting in the kitchen and the horse would walk into the kitchen. Uh, my grandmother wasn't real happy about that, and uh, but uh, but I just thought that was kind of neat that you could train horses to do things. I mean, how many cat lovers can say that? So, um, but has anybody ever seen? Has anybody ever seen those Lipizzan stallions? Is anybody those big, beautiful white horses? And they, man, they teach them to jump and leap and walk on uh, their hind legs there, and and do just all kinds of amazing, amazing things. I, I think it's just absolutely incredible. Well, uh, in doing some studying for this week's lesson, I found out that probably the most incredible way that uh, horses are trained is when they're trained for military battle. That, that, that horses throughout the centuries have been trained for military battle. They've, they, 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 they've you know, horses were kind of the, the edge. They were the advantage in so many, many situations. And, um, and, and then as, as military things progressed, you know, cannons and rifle fire and stuff like that, horses were still the ones, these riders on horses still led the battle. The, the, they would, you know, cannons would be going off and horses would still be going in. I, I just find that amazing. Um, the, one statistic that you may know about horses is that horses see things larger than they really are. They, uh, some, there's a little bit of debate about this. There's, and some people say five times larger. The most recent thing I read said that uh, twice as large as they really are, those big eyes. And Can you imagine seeing tanks and cannons and gunfire and all kinds of things going on? But these horses still, they stay obedient to their master's command. They, they don't get flinchy and flighty and they don't jump and buck their people off. They, um, they stay under their master's control, under their leader's control. Do you know why? Do you, do you know what it's called, how this takes place? The, the, it's because they have been meeked. It's because that they've gone through a process called meeking. In this process of meeking, they're, they're trained for military battle. They're trained. And, and that word meek that we're going to talk about today literally comes from the Greek term 
prahus, and it's a military term referring to a horse being trained. Sam Watley explains it in his book, River's, uh, River Region's Journey, says that the wild stallions were brought down from the mountains and they were trained. Depending on their temperament, some of them were used for tasks like pulling carts and others were used for racing. The finest stallions, however, would be trained for war. They retained their fierce spirit, their courage, and their power, but they were disciplined to respond to the slightest nudge or pressure of the rider's leg. So they started with building a relationship with the rider, and gradually they would introduce these horses to more and more difficult situations. They would have guns go off, and then cannons go off, and they would have to go over obstacles. They would have people run at them and different things. And they, they learned they learned to submit to their master's commands and to trust his love and his leadership. And even though they were much stronger, just physically stronger, they learned to have faith in his leadership no matter what's going on around them. They were meek. Today, as we continue in our study, cultivate the fruit of the Spirit, we're talking about meekness. We're talking about meekness. Meekness. And so let me remind you real quick just of a couple things about the fruit of the Spirit here. Number one is that these fruit of the Spirit, remember that it is the fruit of the Spirit. It's not our um, work. It's not a to-do list. It's, it's one singular fruit with many different aspects. And one of the aspects we're talking about today is meekness, okay, or being meek or gentle. But but it's not a to-do list. It's not something that we just have to try harder to do. It's not a, about um, us producing fruit. It's about us allowing the Holy Spirit to do, produce fruit. It's His work in us. Number two, it's our job to participate with the Holy Spirit. We submit ourselves. We welcome His presence. We welcome His fullness. We welcome the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us. And we do our part by staying connected to the Holy Spirit so that he can train us, so that he can shape us and mold us and, and, and cause us to become the people that he's created us to be. The third thing, that it is his purpose, the Holy Spirit's purpose, to produce the character of Christ in us and the conduct of Christ through us. See, God's got a purpose for every single person's life that's here today. That's why it's so important for each and every one of us to understand that God does love you, that God hasn't bailed on you, that God hasn't given up on you, that God, that God hasn't forgot about you. He has a purpose for you. He has a purpose for you. And for that purpose to be fulfilled, I believe that meekness must be part of our lives. You see, meekness was clearly identified. It was clearly defined in the life of Jesus Christ. Again, we mentioned earlier that that word, that Greek word, praus, okay, that, that it meant to be meek or to be mild, to be gentle, okay? And the, 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 the scripture uh, that we read about Jesus, you know, it says this in Matthew chapter 11. It says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls, right? We've probably read the scripture about Jesus. I am meek and lowly of heart, so, you know, trust in me. Matthew 21, verse 5 says this. It says, Tell the, the daughter of Zion, Behold, the king cometh unto thee, meek 
and lowly, sitting upon an ass, the colt, the foal of an ass. He's, here's Jesus. We see this, this picture of Jesus, and he's kind of meek and somber, and he's riding on this, this donkey coming into Bethlehem to, to go and to be, you know, to the last days of his life, to, uh, to, to suffer, to be tortured, suffer, to die on the cross for us. And, and here's where I think some of the problems come in. When we start thinking about this word meek, okay, and here's where I think some of the, the men, we start backing up and going, ah, oh, man, this is for somebody else, this isn't for me, because we think about meekness, we get the picture of some, uh, some sissy, some spineless, wimpy, you know, soft handshake kind of person. We get this uh, this picture of uh, of this 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 downtrodden, this um, limp-wristed person, this this person that doesn't ever speak up or stand up for themselves. They're easily run down or pushed over, and and I, I just want to tell you today that that that's not what meekness is about, and that's definitely not who Jesus Christ is. You see, even when Jesus, when Jesus was, was being described in these scriptures, he was still one who was winning battles. You see, you see we, we think that, that being meek is somebody who never speaks up, never rocks the boat. And I'm just telling you, that's not true. That's not what meekness is. And the first thing we're going to find today, we're going to define about meekness today is that meekness is not weakness. Okay, say it with me. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness isn't weakness. It is strength under control. Now, I want to say it again. There's never been a, more of a man's man than Jesus. You heard me say it when I came back from, uh, from Israel. I don't want to see any more sissy pictures of Jesus. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, if he walked those hills, especially in sandals, he didn't ride in car, right? And, and he traveled you know, all kinds of different distances over rocky terrain and, and in the midst of difficult situations and the heat and the weather and the, the threats of all the things that went, go on in those mountains, I'm telling you, he's not a sissy. He is a man's man. Even when he was riding on the colt, right? He's a man's man. Just think about it. He was going to do battle. He was doing, going to do the greatest battle ever at that time. He was going to do a battle so that he could win your, the victory for your soul and for my soul. Amen? He was winning for us. He was winning for us. I, I love that picture of Jesus when we see him sitting on a horse. Not on a donkey anymore, but he's on a horse. He's, I think it's one of those big Lipizzan stallions, you know. And he's sitting on that horse, and the scripture says that he has on him a blood-stained garment. And there's, there's a name written on him, King of kings and Lord of lords. And he's the one that goes out to do battle so that you and I, you and I might have victory. Yvette said to me a couple of weeks ago, she said the song that we sang about, he goes and wins the battle. He fights the battle and then says, you won the war. That's what he does for us. So to be meeked, this uh, Mr. Watley goes on and says this, he says, to be meeked was to be taken from a state of wild rebellion and to be made completely loyal to and dependent upon one's master. It's to be taken from an atmosphere of fearfulness and made unflinching in the face of danger. These stallions became submissive, but they certainly weren't spineless. They embodied power under control, strength with forbearance. And can I tell you, that's how Jesus lived. 
He had all power at his access, all the ability to destroy anything and anyone that would come against him. But it was submitted. It was submitted to the will of the Father. And can I tell you, that's how Jesus lived, and that's how you and I are going to live. Amen? That's who we're going to be. When that happens in our lives, I believe that that's when we're going to see the love of God and, and the power of God released in our lives like never before. Anybody here want to see signs and wonders accomplished? Anybody want to see God do great things and, and people healed and restored and, and broke back, brought back from the, from the pit, from the depths of despair? Can I tell you, it's going to happen when God can entrust his people to be anything he wants them to be anytime he wants them to be to be completely submitted to him, then I believe lives are going to be changed. When we live like Jesus lived, when we live in the power of this meekness, we're going to see signs and wonders. We're going to see families change. We're going to see generations change. We're going to see nations impacted because we're willing to submit our lives to the will of Jesus Christ. Amen? Earlier today, and Sagar, thank you for so much for sharing with me about uh, going on a missions trip. We were praying for you while you were gone. And, and just some of the stories you told about how that, man, he got to lead 20 people to the Lord on this missions trip. I said he got to lead 20 people to the Lord. Amen. God used him because he was willing to submit himself and so many other things that he could tell us about that story. You know, it's no wonder that Jesus says to us, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Man, see, meekness is not weakness. It's his strength under his loving control in our lives. Amen? Amen. The second thing is that weak, a meekness is a sign of maturity. In Numbers chapter 12, verse 3, the scripture says this. It says that now Moses, the man Moses, was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. I can't read that uh, scripture without smiling a little bit because it was Moses writing this about himself. <laughs> uh, he was the meekest man ever on the, fa on the face of the earth. But I want to tell you that, that there had been a, a maturing process, a meeking process that had gone on in Moses. He, he had had a temper at one time. He had been out of control at one time. And God had taken him through a process of meeking him to a place where he certainly wasn't weak. Remember, Moses is the guy that stood face to face, eye to eye with Pharaoh. Pharaoh could have taken his life, but you know what he does? He says, hey, I'm going to stand here because God has appointed me here and God is with me here. There's other times you think he was weak. You think because he was meek, he was weak. I'm telling you, that's not the case. He stood between God and between God and his people. You remember there was a time in the scripture where God's people had, been, had lost their minds and they'd been acting crazy and they'd been worshiping idols and they'd been doing their own thing. And, and God just says, hey, Moses, step aside for a minute here. I'm going to wipe everybody else out and we'll just start over. Right? How many people think, I've had those thoughts at times, <laughs> Right? God, just wipe all these other people out, these problems out. And instead of saying, God, go for it, you know what Moses does? Moses steps up and he gets in God's face and he says, hey, God, wait a minute. Wait a minute, these are your people. And God, your name's at stake here. And what will the nations of the world think if, if you just wipe everybody out? And he interceded for people. I'm telling you, that takes maturity. That takes strength. That takes, okay, that, that takes meekness. So I believe that that's what God's wanting to work in our lives. You know, even when Moses wrote this scripture, do you know what had really just happened right here in Numbers chapter 12? 
some, some leadership, some of, some, some of Moses' um, closest people, they begin to gripe about him and complain about him. They begin to point fingers at him. They begin to, to say things. And do you know what happens? All of a sudden, God steps in and he says, hey, wait a minute. You three, come on, you all come with me. Miriam, you got, you got some gripes and complaints, and, and you think you got all this, you're all this in a bag of chips. Will you just come on? I, I want to talk to you. Anybody ever had God take you outside and have a little talk with you? Anybody ever been to God's woodshed? I don't know if you know. <laughs> so he says, he takes them out there, and he talks to them, and, and the end result is that God says, hey, Moses is my man. He's, he's doing my work. He's accomplishing my purposes. And if you're railing against him, you're railing against me. And you know what happened? Miriam ends up with leprosy. You see, here's what took place there. Moses didn't start battling with her and trying to prove himself to her and trying to defend himself. God stepped in and validated who Moses was. Listen to this. God stepped in and validated who Moses was. Who, who validates you? Who gives you your identity? Do you, do you spend yourself trying to prove yourself? Do you, do you spend yourself trying to show how smart you are or cool you are or, or strong you are? Man, I can show you how strong I am. I can get angry and I can throw a fit and I can raise my voice. I can scream and yell, and I can hammer my fist down, and I can stomp my feet, and I, I can show you how bad I am. I can be angry, right? Let me tell you something, folks. Angry is not a sign of maturity. It's a sign of immaturity. Anger is a sign that you have a lack of trust in God, and you don't know who you are. Anybody ever met somebody who's always ready for a fight? Remember years ago, counseling somebody was a Christian leader, and his um, his statement was this: He said, "My wife and I never have any conflicts because I've told her any time she's ready for a fight, I'm just ready to bring it on." There's a problem there. There's an issue there. Somebody needs freedom, right? You're always looking for a fight. You're always looking for an opportunity to give somebody your opinion, to straighten somebody out, right? A little swag, right? You're always the one that's trying to prove a point. Can I tell you, people like that, they are obviously seeking validation. They don't know who they are. They're trying to find out who they are. They're trying to get something from, from family. They're trying to get something from friends. They're trying to, to establish, they're trying to establish their identity. They think, hey, if I can just be loud enough and if I can be rough enough and tough enough and mean enough, then I'm, I'm ahead. I'm getting ahead. I'm, I'm going to prove something to somebody. I'm going I'm to show them something. Can I tell you, they're not moving. They're stuck. They're stuck in their fear and in their lack of identity. And the only thing that they're proving is that they are weak and that they're insecure. And the reason I know about this is because this describes who I was. Somebody that had to have all the answers and somebody that if something came along that made me angry, the only two responses to it were either to have this, this crazy, um, just this, this outburst of anger, of uncontrolled anger, or just stuff it down inside and begin to seethe about it. But never being able to live in the peace 
It comes from the strength that God gives. Can I tell you that just because you have the strength or the power over someone, that that's never gives you, that's never a reason, or that never gives you the right to use that power to hurt someone. God has never given you power to make somebody else's life more difficult. So maturity is knowing what strength to use and when to use it. Maturity and meekness, it's like, it's like being a parent or a, a grandparent, hallelujah, right, <laughs> with children. Your children come along and they, they begin to play and they begin to, 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 to punch and they begin to fight. And Jack comes along and says, I'm going to knock you down, right? Comes running. Of course, you know, he's about this high right now. It's a very dangerous situation. I'm just telling you, right? And he comes running along and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you know, it's like, I, I'm gonna, you're not going to knock me down. I'm going to knock you out. No, you know what I mean? That, that's not what we do. Man, we go with it. We, we know which amount of strength is appropriate. My definition for meekness for years has been this. It says, you know what? I could take your head off, but I choose not to. You know what I found out? I found out that this taking people's head off and biting people's head off, and you know what? It just, it just makes a big mess. It makes life messy, and that's not what God's calling us to. So we see here that God's wanting us to mature. God's wanting us to develop. Can, can you imagine how much different? Does anybody see it all around us? Man, I'm serious. I'm serious. I, I'm, it, it grieves my heart, and, and you know, the older I get, the less I care. So um, that that um, now I just you know somebody screaming at their kids in the aisle at Walmart. I'm like, do y'all need help today? Is there something I can help you with? I do counseling on a regular basis. So I mean, we can just pull up chairs. And we can go to it right here, right? Or you know, there's times when you know if we just look over at somebody, and go, man, I'm sorry, your parents don't love you more than that. With their parents standing right there. <laughs> so, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm still working on this meekness thing, all right? So, I'm not, okay, it's not, it's, not, it's not a finished deal here. But can I tell you, there's so many relationships all around us where people have spent their life trying to prove the point that I'm the man and I've got it or I'm the woman and, and you're gonna, I'm going to run this household. And, and you've proved points, but you've broken relationships. You've proved points with your kids, but you have crushed spirits. You haven't trained up in the way that they should go. You have bent them and twisted them, and only by the miraculous work of God, the restoring work of God with our lives, be put back into right order. You see, God hasn't put us on the earth to make a point. He's put us here to make a difference, amen? And that takes people who walk in the, in the meekness and in the maturity of the Holy Spirit. Third thing, all right? Meekness is the strength to take action. An early church father said it this way. He said, meekness is not not taking action in the face of danger. Meekness is not not taking action in the face of danger. He says, that's cowardice. That's cowardice. Meekness is taking the appropriate action. You see, meekness isn't about just sitting back and, and letting anything happen and going, letting, it doesn't matter what takes place, and we're just quiet and we don't say anything. No, meekness is strength that empowers us to be the people of action that God's called us to be. 
And, and let me say it again. If you're here today, if you're hearing these words, God has a calling and an appointment to action, kingdom action on your life. God has a plan for you, and it's a loving plan, and it's a great plan, and it's a, it's a plan that happens in his strength and by his spirit. You know, 1 Corinthians chapter, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul speaks of the meekness and gentleness of Christ. And what he's describing here is he's describing the kind of obedience that's ready for action. Jesus came to accomplish the Father's purpose. Every action, every step that he took, every word that he spoke, every miracle that he did, it was at the Father's will he was active in fulfilling God's purposes for his life. I'm telling you today that Jesus didn't suffer on the cross because he was a doormat, because he was weak. It took strength to go to that cross. It took strength to accomplish God's purpose when he had the power to not yield to those things. He went to the cross to pay a price that had to be paid for each and every one of us. Do you get, how many people know that he had to pay a price for you, for your sin? And for me, for my sin. He marched into hell. Listen, meek, weak, I mean, weak people don't march into hell. Meek people operating under the strength of the Holy Spirit march into hell. And he took the keys of death, hell, and the grave away from Satan and every demonic force. And he crushed them. He destroyed them. See, so when I believe when we operate in real meekness, you know what we can do? When we're meek, when we have the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit working fully in us, we can walk as, in the meekness so that we can be as bold as a lion. God's got a purpose of action for each and every, every life here. Now, I love that, that scripture where it says, talks about how the, the lion and the lamb, they lay down together. See, when we have the meekness, when we have the power of God flowing in us in a way that's under his control, and we can be bold, we can take on hell with a water pistol, amen, and we can still be as peaceful and quiet as a lamb. When we operate in meekness, through the Holy Spirit, we can forgive those that hurt us. Listen, I, I know today that there are people that are sitting here that they've been carrying along. They've had this little hidden room in their life. And for years, they've, they've had these little unforgiven things. Oh, oh, you, you'll, you'll step into it every now and then and go, oh, well, I, I'm really okay and I'm over it. But you may be over it, but you haven't forgiven. I believe that meekness gives us the strength to forgive. Meekness gives us the strength to be the first to apologize. Well, I'm not going to apologize. I'm not going to take the first step. I'm not going to be the one. She started it or he started it or they did it. or when, when, when Maybe when they come to me. No, no, no. Love-filled, spirit-filled lives. People operating in the meekness of Jesus Christ. Man, they're out there. They're taking the first step. They're apologizing. They're looking for restoration of relationships. They're not concerned about being right. They're concerned about being restored. Amen? 
They're concerned about seeing people's lives healed. When we operate in the strength of meekness, we can be a servant to others. Can I say thank you? Thank you to every one of you who went out and served at Church Under the Bridge yesterday. Thank you, Han. Thank you, guys. Come on, give them a hand this morning. Amen. It takes meekness to serve others. Because you know what? There are very simply times when God calls us to serve people that don't deserve to be served. They've put themselves in their own situation. They've dug their own hole. They've messed up their own lives. They've, they've screwed up their own financial situation. And now they need our help. Can I tell you? How many people know that if God hadn't helped us, we'd be in a real big mess, right? And now God gives us the opportunity by his strength and by his spirit to help others. With meekness we can serve. See, when Jesus needed to, he could confront sin. He could confront hypocrisy. He could, he could correct people. Does anybody remember the story about Jesus going to the temple? Right? The money changers are there, and he goes in, and he flips the tables over. He has this whip, and he's, he's running people out of the temple. Right? He's saying, hey, you guys, come on. Get out of here. Get out. Right? That, that, that took strength. It took ability. But he, he didn't do it out of anger. He did it out of strength. He looked at him. He said, you, you belong to your father, the devil. Right? That, that's pretty straight talk. Meek people can take action when they need to take action. They can talk straight. They can talk loving. They can, they can deal with tough situations. But they do it in a way that's carrying the authority and the grace and the love of Jesus Christ. It is his meekness operating in them and through them. Listen, all those things took courage. They took courage from Jesus. It took control. I mean, I'm still like, Jesus, why didn't you just call down the angels, wipe them out, you know, go start over? I've, I've prayed that before, you know. I've told you about that. I've prayed that. God, you know, if you would just open up the earth, swallow a few of these people that are in sin and rebellion, man, we'd have revival around here. You know what I'm talking about? God said, you know, Sam, I've been thinking about that. He goes, I think you're right. I'm going to start with you. How's that? And I'm like, wait a minute, Lord. Let's not be hasty, right? Let's be merciful. Let's be graceful. Jesus knew who was in control. Jesus demonstrated the spiritual discipline to face confrontation in the meekness and the strength of the Holy Spirit. Can I ask you, do you have a confrontation facing you? It's amazing to me how many people are living in the situation where there's the fear dance that's going on. Anybody know what the fear dance is? Well, I really want to say something to her, my good friend, but... But if I say something to her, she's going to get her feelings hurt, and she's, she might not like me anymore, so I'll just dance around the issue. Now, that never happens in marriages, right? Just in friendships. And Well, I'd really like to tell him about this action or this attitude or this thing, but boy, if I do, he'll just blow up, and he'll lose more of his mind, and he can't afford to lose any of it. So, right? And so we get fearful. Instead of stepping into things, we step back from things. I'm just telling you, I believe that there are people here today that you've got some confrontations, some things that God wants you to step into, to bring some resolution and some restoration into some relationships, but it's going to have to be done in the meekness that allows your speech to be filled with the love and the grace of Almighty God. 
It's going to take meekness. I believe that there are some of us here that it's time. It's time for God to release that spirit of the war horse, you know. That, 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 that horse that's got great strength, but it's fully under the control of the master. It's time for some of us to step into that. Because I'm telling you, it's time because there are great things that need to happen in the kingdom of God. Some of you have heard this for years. One of my favorite scriptures is Daniel 11, chapter, Daniel chapter 11, verse 32. In that scripture, it says this. It says that the people who know their God shall do great exploits. I believe today that I am looking at people whose lives have great exploits all over them. You're thinking, wait a minute, why is this thing being held up? Why is it taking so long? Why, why hasn't the manifestation of it come? Can I say that, that maybe God's still cultivating some strength in your life so great things can be released through your life? Anybody ready to move into the great things that God has for them? You ready to move into the works? You ready to move into the wonders? You're ready to, 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 to move into a place with God that you've never been, things that you've never seen. I'm telling you, I know that there are gifts and giftings and manifestations of the Spirit that are, that are just right on the edge of the table, ready to be released. And God's saying it can't be released until it's fully submitted to my will. It's fully submitted to my strength. Today's the day. Today's the day. Amen? Anybody ready to say, today's the day? Today's the day. Today is the day that I submit my life. Today is the day that I submit my life fully to Jesus Christ. Today is the day that I submit my life. I'm, I'm drawing a line in the sand. Man, I wish we had some sand up here today. <laughs> I'm drawing a line in the sand, and I'm saying, today, God, 